Hello, everyone, and welcome to our final Devils Talking Potters episode. Before this 2020 season gets started, we are all super excited over here at Devils Talking Potters in East Village Times. I'm Dominic Stern, joined today by my co-host, Bobby Murphy, and we do have a guest today. I'll introduce him in a minute. But Bobby, how are you doing today? I'm doing good today. How, how have you been? Well, I've been good. I got my wisdom teeth pulled out this week, so that's no fun. But I did get to see Padres baseball last night. They they were horrible, but that's okay because the game doesn't count. So it's all right. They're just getting it out of the way. Did you watch the game last night? I did, yes. It was very odd. The whole runner on second base thing, just I hate it. It's, it's annoying. So let me introduce our guest today. His name is Sammy Benbow. He used to be a writer for East Village Times. He plays college baseball at Lewis and Clark University in Oregon. Sammy, how are you today? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm ready to talk some Padres baseball with you guys. I'm doing well. Right. And so in my conversations with you, as we are both very big Padre fans, I've always known that you were a very big Jace Tingler fan ever since we hired him. And Bobby and I, we want to do a podcast about Jace Tingler because we feel like it's a very important topic for the Padres, brand new manager, in a season where we're expected to compete. What has impressed you the most thus far about him, and why are you such a big fan of Jace Tingler? Yeah, you know, I think ever since he got hired, I, I've done some research on him. I really think that he is the guy for the job. You know, obviously this was this was more Preller's guy than Ron Fowler and Peter Seidler. I think they more wanted to they were more siding with um, the Ron Washington choice. But I really do think that Tingler's the right guy for the job. You know, I think that. His age is actually going to be a benefit for this roster, especially, Um, you know, this is a pretty young roster for the most part. And I think that, you know, he's a relatively young guy. I believe he's he's around 40 years old. Um, And I think he's going to get around, uh, get along with his players pretty well. I think, you know, his experience managing in a Dominican summer league for the Rangers and then managing this past winter in the Dominican league, you know, it really gives him kind of a diverse background. It lets him connect with, you know, a bunch of different players, not just guys from the States, but also his Latin players. You know, he's he's bilingual, which I think is going to help him. Um, but overall, I, I'm, I'm pretty excited for him. You know, he's more analytically based. He's kind of like Preller in that way. But, yeah, I'm excited to see what he does with this team because I think that the potential is definitely there. And I think that he can utilize his potential and get the most out of this team. The upside is crazy high, which is Tingler and it seems like he's been making a good impression in Potter spring training and in summer camp. So Bobby, I'll ask you same thing. What has impressed you the most thus far with Jace Tingler? The thing about Tingler, the thing that I love and why AJ Preller hired him was, uh, as Sammy said, it's the analytics, the way he engages with the players. He's by, as he said, he's bilingual and he can totally relate to the players, especially our foreign born players. Tatis, Mejia, and everyone else, and he can easily engage and, and relate to them, and I think that's that's great for a young coach. Yeah, you guys, you guys hit it on the head. He's been engaging with players. He's been working with them physically on the field. I don't think we ever saw that with Andy Green. That's not it's not necessarily a dig on Andy Green. I think what Andy Green did for the Padres was was fine. You know, he was brought in to just try and develop players, and he did a good job with some of them. Some of the players didn't quite develop as the Potters would have liked, but that's that's baseball. But what's impressed me the most is the way that he he drives all the Potters players, at least from what we've all seen, to 
give their best and to say, Hey, just because we're practicing, you need to be out here you need to be a hundred percent. And all the players have bought into what he's trying to get the Padres to do. And that's to be a winning franchise. And that's something that this franchise has never really been. They've gone in one or two years of winning and then they, they tank and then you go through a big losing spell. And that's what the Padres are currently in right now. After 2010, it's been nine straight losing seasons. And so I feel like Tingler could be the right guy. You know, we'll see how he ends up managing in games and we'll get onto that in a little bit, but it seems like he's doing a great job with getting the best out of players, getting them to buy into what he wants and what the ownership wants, which is to be a winning culture. And that's all you can ask for as a fan. So next thing, more on the managerial side, because it seems like Tingler's doing really good as a coach and Sammy, we'll start with you again. How do you expect Tingler to manage the pitching staff in this short season? Yeah, you know, I think there's been multiple reports from Padres writers coming out saying that it looks like obviously Chris Paddock was just named the opening day starter yesterday and he's really going to have no limits. I think he's just going to, you know, he's going to throw as many innings as they can because he's going to be the guy this year. And honestly, like I'm a big fan of that. I think that Paddock has what it takes to lead the rotation, at least until, you know, Mackenzie Gore and Luis Patino arrive. Um, and Denelson Lamette's going to be a great number two as well. I think that he's primed for a breakout this year. I saw um, Bob Scanlon tweeting out something a few days ago saying that he's sitting 98 to 99 in his start um, in an inner squad game a couple days ago. I was really excited for that. I think that he's going to have a big year this year, albeit in a short season. And I think Garrett Richards, too. You know, we saw him last night. He, he struggled with command a little bit, but, you know, he got through. I think it was four and two thirds. Um, he only gave up one run. He scattered a few hits. I think he did a good job. I think those three guys are going to be key. And I think they're going to be the guys that carry the pitching staff for the most part. I think, you know, when you look at Zach Davies and, you know, probably uh, Joey Lucchese at the back end of the rotation, I think those guys are going to be more, um, you know, once or twice through the order type of guys. But, you know, even last night in the scrimmage that we saw, um, the bullpen came in, uh, Matt Strong, Craig Stammen, Emilio Pagan, Drew Pomeranz, Kirby Yates, they all came in, had scoreless outings, and I was pretty excited for that, you know, and I think that if Tingler's smart this year, I think he's going to let those top three guys kind of throw as many innings as they can and, you know, go until they're they're out of pitches, basically. But I think, you know, especially with that back end of the rotation, with all the with all the pitching options they've got in the bullpen, I wouldn't be surprised to see a bullpen day here or there, you know, like uh, having an opener maybe or having Lucchese or Davies go three or four innings and turn it over because, you know, that bullpen's definitely going to be a weapon this year. And even with, you know, Munoz and Castillo going down with injuries, I think it's going to be a strength. And I think he should play to his strengths. Do not forget about my boy, Trey Winginter. He also, <laughs> he also underwent Tommy John surgery this weekend. We're hoping for a speedy recovery there. Uh, Bobby, same thing to you. How do you expect Jay Stingler to manage his pitching staff this year? Uh, I'm pretty excited to see how he will run it. Uh, when he was coaching in the Dominican Summer League in, I think it was 2008 and nine. Uh, those are 60-game seasons, so he's done this before, as we mentioned. So I'm excited to see how he will run the pitching staff, pretty much. We have a few top options. Our, our top three options have all had Tommy John. They've all recovered, and I'm expecting big seasons from a few of them, especially Lamette and Paddock. But what Sammy was saying off of Davies and Lucchese, we we do not want them going through the order a third time most of the time, just because especially last year, Luke Casey was just awful the third time around. So, and the, our bullpen 
probably best in the National League, one of the best in the in the whole league. So that's our big strength that I'm hoping Tingler will use a lot. And we don't need to rely on our on our starters to go deep in the games when we have such an amazing bullpen that we can lean on. Right. And you guys, you guys both mentioned the uh, third time in the order, the Jace Tingler. He's an analytics guy. The analytics definitely say pitchers are definitely worse when they face a batter for the third time. So it's definitely important to try and get as many innings out of the starting pitchers. So that way they can give the bullpen some rest, but he's also got to be weary of, Hey, is this guy really dominating the lineup, especially the top of the lineup? And if he isn't, we just need to go to the bullpen. Even if he's killing the batters four through nine, if he's not going to do well against batters, one, two, three, just say, Hey, I'm going to give it to the bullpen and let's see what these guys can do because one, it's a new arm. And two, those guys are normally a little more effective against batters. So even if it's Chris Paddock to Nelson Lamont or Garrett Richards, I wouldn't expect them to go through the through the batting order for the third time that often. Now, of course, if they're dominating, you got to let them ride. You got to try and get the bullpen some rest when possible, especially if Tingler ends up doing some bullpen days. But he's also going to be able to leverage the fact that the Potters have a ton of young arms that won't even be on the 30, the 28, or the 26-man roster. And if he can just get five innings out of every starting pitcher and then go four innings of the bullpen, and I'd imagine Yates, Pomeranz, Pagan, those guys, and maybe even Strom will always be on the big roster. But then there's going to be a ton of prospects and just other good pitchers just circulating in and out between the satellite roster and the major league roster. And if you can just rotate those guys in and out, you can really use the bullpen effectively and you can find ways to, when you're playing the NL West opponents, they'll be facing several different pitchers throughout the year. So they won't be seeing the same arms over and over throughout the year. So Tingler can really find a way to maneuver the bullpen and maneuver that to be a strength. And if he can find ways to just not bring in the wrong pitcher at the wrong time, he's going to have it really easy for him. Now he's going to have to find a way to manage the three batter rule, but so is every single manager. So I'm excited to see how Jace Tingler manages his pitching staff. And we'll also have Cal Quantrill as sort of a long reliever type thing in case if there could be some kind of injury in the early innings or just pitchers can absolutely rock early. We could have Quantrill go three, four, maybe even five innings if needed as a long reliever. Do either of you guys have any concerns that Jace Tingler has no actual MLB managerial experience? Because pretty much all. Every Padres manager that we have hired recently, no one had managerial experience, and that didn't end well at all, all most of those times. Uh, so do you guys think that um, that it'll be an issue, or are you guys concerned about it at all? Yeah, I think for me, um, there's always definitely that concern uh, in the back of your mind, regardless if you're hiring a guy who's never managed at the big league level. I think... Tingler is kind of in an interesting situation, obviously, one that we really haven't seen before in that, you know, he's managing in the, in the middle of a pandemic and it's a 60 game season. And, you know, I'm not trying to say that this season is kind of going to be discounted at the end of it all. But I think I, th- I think it's definitely a good experience for him to kind of get his feet wet in a season that's only 60 games that, you know, maybe some people aren't going to take as heavily as they would 162 game season. But, you know, you also kind of look at that and say, like, okay, well, going into 2021 next year, that's a season where 
were also really expected to compete and, you know, potentially go after a division title. And, you know, he's he's going to be yet to manage a full 162 game season. So you guys mentioned earlier, he's managed in the Dominican Summer League, which is a similar length season. I think it's going to be good for him getting his feet wet in a 60 game season. But I think there's also going to be that concern of, you know, he hasn't managed a full length season yet. And it's going to be different in how he manages his bullpen, his starters, you know, giving guys days off here and there. I think the management like Preller and the rest of those guys are definitely going to give him all the help that he can um, in terms of managing on a day to day basis. But I think just for me, there's there's a little bit of concern in that more towards uh, next season in that he still won't have managed a full 162 game season at when this is all said and done. Yeah, I'm not I'm not too concerned. There definitely is a little bit of concern, mostly because he's managed in the Dominican Republic, but he's just also been around baseball for so long and he's a leader. So he's going to get the best out of his players. The only issue I have is that how is he going to be able to manage a pitching staff of major leaguers and going up against other major leaguers? Because it's definitely different managing in the Dominican Winter League or Summer League or whatever he's managed in compared to Major League Baseball with all the best players. So he's going to have to adapt. But like you mentioned, it's good for him to get this adaptation in the 60-game season where I don't feel like there's too many Padres players or Padres executives with their jobs on the line. Now, if the Padres totally stink this year, we should definitely be having a conversation about it. But I don't think that's going to happen, praying that that doesn't happen. So... I think that this is definitely a good opportunity for Tingler to, like you said, get his feet wet, get some managerial experience under his belt, while also being able to compete and not really having too much pressure on him. Bobby, you want to jump in on that? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm I'm not too, uh, too concerned about it. Obviously, there's a little bit of worry because the Potters have just, over the years, over the past decade, have been hiring first-year coaches, and none of them have done great. We've all underperformed to our expectations in many of those years, but I'm excited to see what he can do for us. He he's a young guy and that's what we've been hiring a lot, a lot recently, but he's a young guy who, who knows how 60 game seasons work. So I'm excited to see how he'll run the bullpen, the lineup and just how, how he'll run the daily show. Yeah. And I think just one more thing before you guys move on, I think that like we mentioned, you know, I don't I don't think that this is really going to be a year where that's a make or break year necessarily for Preller where, you know, if we don't meet expectations, he's going to lose his job. But I think, you know, for Jace Tingler, I think that he's definitely got to be aiming in the range of anywhere from 30 to 35 wins to really consider this somewhat a successful season. You know, I think that if, if we go out there and, you know, we win 20 to 25 games, then, you know, I think that that seat gets a little hotter for him. And I think that regardless of how we're looking at it now, that the, the rebuilding era is over that we kind of experienced under Andy green, where it's more of like a, yeah, like go out, write the lineup every day. You know, if they perform, they perform. If not, it's not a big deal. I think now, you know, he's surrounded the, the team's surrounded with, a ton of talent really. And I think that the expectations are notably higher, you know? And so I think he's still got to go out and properly manage this team and really shoot for at least contention into the last week or two of the season, because, you know, going into next year, you know, with not a lot of momentum is, is not going to bode well for, for this team in the future. Banking off what you just said, what would the record have to be for us to be genuinely concerned about, the Padres future like we think thinking like maybe 
25 and 35 or even lower than that? I think for me, um, in a 60 game season, it's, it's, it's more up to chance than over 162 game season. You know, I think that every team has gone through spells for the most part where they don't play up to their capabilities. And, you know, that's, that's entirely possible with the Padres this year. You know, you could see, um, you know, you could see Tatis hit, hit 240 for the first month and a half or something, or, or Machado doesn't get going or the pitching staff falters or something. I think for me, anywhere from 20 to 25 wins would signal kind of a genuine concern of, okay, maybe this isn't working out the way we had hoped it is. I think 25 to 30 wins is, is a little bit more modest in the win projection. I know fan graphs and a lot of different projection systems have the Padres winning in the low 30s, anywhere from like 30 to 33 games. So I think anywhere in the 25 to 30 range for me is kind of, you know, it's a little concerning, but not really. I think I think 25 wins or less for me is when I'd start to start to signal the red flag. Yeah, and we, we've already talked about how Tingler is uh, proficient in analytics, and he's certainly more proficient than Andy Green. How do we think he's going to use this to manage the team in 2020 and going forward? My hope, at least, is that he's going to make more effective use of the lineup and kind of taking advantage of different guys' strengths. I think last year some people were a little bit, um, you know, I I don't want to say concerned, but a little confused maybe at the fact that Andy Green would kind of run the same lineup out there every day. You wouldn't really mess around with the order all that much. And for me personally, I'd like to see a little bit of of change here and there. You know, I, I like the idea of having Tatis at the top of the order in that he gets on base a lot. You know, he hit 317 last year. He got on base at a high clip. He's fast. You know, he can steal bases. I think there are definitely some options behind him, whether that be Trent Grisham like we saw last night or Tommy Pham or even Manny Machado putting him up there. Uh, I think that Tingler is going to be more open to experimenting with that kind of stuff and trying to get the most out of his guys. I think, you know, you even saw uh, last night as well uh, you're, with the shift, uh, putting Manny out in right field uh, and trying to optimize the odds of when he's going to get hit the ball and trying to put him in that position. I think that little things like that are going to go a long way in the long run. I think that, you know, you might see whether that be an increased feeling percentage or something like that, or, you know, even if it comes to like bullpen usage, something like that, I think Tingler is going to be more open to playing matchups, uh, using the numbers to his advantage more so than we saw with Andy Green. Yeah. One thing that I'm expecting to see a lot is the variation in between lefty and righty against lefty and righty pitchers in our, for our starting lineup. Because I think that against lefties, the outfield, the DH ball could look totally different. Against lefties, I'm, I'm expecting to see maybe Ty France at DH, Myers at DH. Then when we're against righties, I could see Naylor out there. Obviously, now Cordero's gone, so we won't see him. But Naylor could be out there. If if Taylor Trammell based the roster, he could get some outfield spots. Um, but Edward Olivares, I'm excited to see how he will do, where he will be put in the lineup. Um, and as Sammy said, the shifts, we saw Manny Machado have a few last night and that'll be interesting to see how Tingler decides to use that. Right. And you guys mentioned shifts. Padres last year were 17th in shift percentages. And I don't want to say that as a direct correlation with how well a team performs, but there's some of the top teams are shifting a lot. The Dodgers, the Twins, the Rays, the Astros, the Yankees, the Diamondbacks, the Brewers. Those are all teams that have played really well over the past couple of years, and they're shifting a lot. 
So there's not a direct correlation between those two things, but it definitely helps you get outs. Analytics say that. And if you're facing a batter that you know is going to pull the ball, why why bother having Manny play at the corner where he's only going to get the ball if it's hit in a small area? But we saw him make multiple really good plays last night, and he almost made some really good plays. And I think he might have a chance to make them if it's not a scrimmage where he's not going to dive because we've all seen Manny put his body on the line to make some great plays. So shifting is a big way. And then matching up lefties and righties, you guys, you guys hit that on the head. So I don't need to further emphasize that. One question I had was, where do you guys think Tommy Pham will be in the lineup most of the time? He was batting cleanup last night. I don't know if that will be his normal spot, but I wanted to see what your guys' take would be on what his usual spot could be in the lineup. Yeah, I uh, I was I was a little bit surprised um, seeing him hit fourth. I know a lot of people had kind of projected him right behind Tatis at the two spot. I'm I'm honestly comfortable hitting him anywhere in the front four spots. Maybe if Tatis is struggling a little bit, you move him down to the two spot. You put Fam in the leadoff spot. I think he's also capable of hitting third. I think he's he's a good enough hitter to where he can have success at any spot in the lineup. I think just for me personally, I I like having him in the two spot just because he gets on base a lot. I think that, you know, having two guys with uh, with an on base percentage above 370 in your one two spots are going to be really crucial, especially with uh, guys like Manny behind him. The only thing with, I think, hitting fam in the two spot is that. You know, you can't you can't put Trent Grisham there and that kind of that kind of thins out the lineup a little bit. I think if you put fam in the two spot, you got to put Grisham, you know, somewhere between the six and nine spots. And, you know, then you move Hosmer into the four spot or Myers into the four spot. And I don't know how many people are comfortable with that. So I'm I'm okay with with hitting fam fourth. I think Grisham's got to get on base out of the two spot for that to happen, though. But, yeah, I mean, I, I could I could see him conceivably hitting anywhere one through four this year. And I, I think Tingler is also going to experiment with that and think there's going to be a set one set lineup like what we saw last year. I think he's going to mess around with not only fam spot in the lineup, but, you know, maybe with a bunch of other guys as well. I think it totally depends on what what handed pitcher you're facing. If you're facing a right handed pitcher, honestly, I know not a lot of people are going to agree with me on this. I think Trent Grisham could bat leadoff in front of Fernando Tatis Jr. Trent Grisham, people forget, he was the leadoff batter in the NL wildcard game on a very stacked Milwaukee Brewers lineup. And his OBP, when you look at it, 328 last year, it doesn't really pop off. But when you consider that he only hit 231 and that he was a rookie, that's very significant. He's getting on base a lot. He's finding ways to draw a lot of walks. He drew a leadoff walk in the wildcard game. And if you can get a runner on in front of Fernando Tatis Jr., who has shown power in the major leagues, you could find a way to maximize that power because when he's batting leadoff, he's not really going to hit a lot of multi-run home runs. He's going to have to rely on guys getting on base at the bottom of the order, which seems like it's going to be Jerks and Profar and Austin Hedges. And I'm not sure I really trust those two guys to get on base a ton. So I think you could bat Trent Grisham leadoff. And then if that's the case, then you can bat Tommy Pham fourth or fifth if we're facing a left-handed pitcher i would expect fam to probably bat second right behind fernando that way he can hit him in and then haas will fit somewhere in between when you're facing a righty facing a lefty he's got about way down the order but fam i agree fam anywhere between two to four and then manny's gonna fill in that three slot yeah one thing about tatis as you mentioned um how he hit how he Hits leadoffs a lot of the time, but 
then he won't be driving in a lot of multi-round home runs. That's why, uh, I mean, I, I kind of love to see Tatis at two or three and that Grisham or Fam at the leadoff. I would just love to see Tatis have some guys on when he gets up to the plate most of the time. Uh, so on to the next one. How heavily do you guys think Tingler will lean on his coaching staff early on in his first year? We have Skip Shoemaker as the associate manager, Bobby Dickerson, bench coach. And then we even have Damien Easley at the hitting coach and Larry Rothschild pitching coach. And, of course, we have the main seg, veteran third base coach Glenn Hoffman over at third base, Wayne Kirby at first base coach. How hard do you think Chase Tingler will, le- will lean on these guys early on? I think for the most part, it's a really new staff. I think pretty much everybody except for Glenn Hoffman um, and Skip Schumacher, he's, you know, he's in a new spot this year, but, um, I think pretty much everybody else is new, you know, Rothschild's new Dickerson's new Wayne Kirby's new. Um, I think it's, it's honestly going to be kind of a group effort. I think that, you know, Rothschild's got a lot of experience with the pitchers and I wouldn't be surprised if Tingler kind of leans on him a little bit for, for the rotation and for the bullpen management. Um, I mean, that's what I would do if I was a first year manager in his situation. I'd lean on the guy with experience for the hitters. I think it's going to be the same thing. I think it's going to be, you know, somewhat of a group effort. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I think I think Tingler is definitely open to a lot of different scenarios, which is one of the reasons why Preller hired him. You know, I think he's got a versatile skill set. But, you know, if it's me, I I think I lean on on the different um, associate coaches. You know, I think I'm definitely going to be leaning on those guys for advice and and, you know, just kind of help, honestly, in in managing my first season, if it were me. Tingler's going to rely on these guys very heavily. Uh, it was mentioned in an East Village Times article that James Clark, our editor, wrote. So if you want to go read that, go check it out, eastvillagetimes.com. And it's part of the reason why I'm so comfortable with the fact that we have a brand new manager for this team, because this isn't a very experienced MLB team. And our manager doesn't have very much MLB. Well, he doesn't have any MLB managerial experience, but he's got a very experienced MLB coaching staff. Now, Sammy, you mentioned that it's a it's a new group. You know, not a lot of these guys have coached together before, but they've all coached in the MLB, and I'm sure they've all they've all had prior acquaintances with each other, and they've they've met through players, and they've found ways to discuss how they coach. So I'm sure that they'll find a way to click together and find a way to get the best out of this Padres team. So I think that Tingler can rely on those guys and those guys can also rely on Tingler because Tingler, he, he's a very uh, vocal person. He's going to want to talk to you and he's going to want to find ways to get the best out of the players, get the best out of all the coaches. And it's going to be a really group effort. Like you mentioned. Yeah. One thing I'm interested to see is uh, I think, um, I think it was last season with the Rangers while Tingler had the, uh, like assistant GM job with the Rangers uh, where he looked at, where he oversaw the player development and stuff. He was also the outfield and base running coach for the Rangers. So I'm interested in seeing if he might take any kind of extra, not extra look, but uh, just have more, have more of an insight on that for us this year. Our last question for this podcast is, do we think Jace Tingler has an advantage in the shortened season because all other coaches will be adapting like him? Not only are they coaching in the middle of a pandemic and players might go down with COVID-19 or just opt out, but there are also a couple of new rules this year. We saw in last night's game that are on second base and extra innings. That's going to make a big difference. 
Who do you put out there? How do you manage the situations? Three batter rule. How do you want to maneuver that? If there's two outs, uh, you can bring in a guy to face a lefty, but if he doesn't get that out, then you could be screwed and some other aspects like that. How do we think Tingler will fare with this? And do we think he has an advantage? Yeah, I think I, I wouldn't necessarily say he has an advantage. I think that he's on more of an equal playing field in that all of the managers are kind of on the same level here. No one has managed uh, in a pandemic before. No one's managed in this specific type of season before. And so I think that he's got a little bit of, if you want to call it an advantage there, being that he's going to be on the same playing field as everybody else, uh, I think he'll adapt to it well. I think that the new rule changes are going to be interesting, but I do think that the Padres are kind of uh, well suited for it. I think, you know, a lot of people have mentioned that we're one of the more appropriate teams for the DH, even though we've we've dealt away a couple of our bigger power guys in the past. I think, you know, there's a lot of options you can put there. And then, you know, the three batter rule, I don't think is going to be too much of a challenge for us. You know, besides, I think the acquisition of Tim Hill is a little bit um confusing maybe i think you know i know that padres do need a little bit of left-handed relief help uh with the absence of jose castillo now but i I don't know if tim hill's the the guy that you want to say hey go get him lefties versus righties for three batters but i think definitely most of that bullpen is situated to take on either matchup i'm i feel really confident with obviously kirby i feel confident with pagan and pomeranz and strom going out there facing lefties versus righties um so i i think that you know, Preller has given Tingler the best chance to succeed with these new rules. He's definitely prepared the team for these new rules, whether he expected it or not. And so I really think that Tingler's going to go out there and, and really utilize it to the best of his ability and try and get the most out of the team. I don't really think Tingler has an advantage in uh, in the shortened season, saying how other coaches could adapt like him. But some things I'm very interested on in seeing is, as Sammy mentioned, the Three batter rule will be huge. Um, Dom, you said how it could be big if a player, if a pitcher gets two outs and then doesn't get one guy and has to, and then you could pull him up next. So I'm interested to see how Tingler's gonna handle that. And also the the extra inning rule with the runner on second base. I think last night, I think how they're gonna do it is the last batter who is out goes on second. So I'm interested on in seeing how that's going to ha- happen. If we can use some kind of pinch runner um, for that certain guy, that'd be great. We'd love to see. Um, would love to see who we could put in there. So I don't really think T- Tingler has an advantage in this season, but I'm super excited to see on how he will handle things in certain situations. Yeah, Tingler's a huge wild card for this team. You know, being a new manager, a young squad. How he manages his team will have a direct impact on how the Padres perform this year and whether or not they can sneak into the playoffs or not. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But I think we're all excited to watch Tingler go out and manage his squad, watch the Padres play. Only got a couple more days. Sammy, thank you for joining us today. Uh, do you have any parting notes? No, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I'm looking forward to the season. I think this is probably the most excited uh, most of us have been about the, about Padres baseball probably since 2015. So I'm I'm excited. I'm hoping that this season ends in a playoff run, uh, but we'll see. Bobby, anything from you before we head out? Yeah, me as well. Sammy, thank you for having us on. That was great. And I'm just super excited to, for Padres baseball this weekend. Excited to see our boys back out there and can't wait to get more content out there.
Yep, that's going to wrap up this podcast for Devils Talking Padres. I'm Dominic Stern. This is Bobby Murphy and Sammy Bembo. Make sure to follow us all on social media. Sammy, I'll plug your Twitter. It's at SammyBenbo04. It's S-A-M-M-Y-B-N-B-O-W-0-4. And as always, Bobby and I are on Twitter at DMStern19 and at BobbyMurphy2000. Make sure to also follow... East Village Times on Twitter at EVT underscore news and make sure to keep checking the site eastvillagetimes.com as our content is starting to ramp up. I know I got an article about Padres with the most to play for in this upcoming season. Uh, It's a great article. I put a lot of work into it. And with that, that's going to wrap this podcast. Thank you for tuning in.